Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Voices of Forestry podcast. I'm your host, Seth Stevenson, the communications coordinator with the Arkansas Forestry Association. And this month, we are back today to talk about our new topic, appraisals, with our guest, John McAlpine with Kingwood Forestry. But first, before we uh, give him the mic here, we want to give a special shout out and a thank you to our sponsors this month, Farm Credit. We're going to hear a little bit more from them later on in this episode. But for now, let me kick it over to my guest, John McAlpine. Thank you for joining us again. This is your second time on the show, I believe. Yes, my second time. I'm glad to be here, Zeth. Good, good. Uh, I think last time we had you talking about forest tech, maybe? Some of the tech that you yes. guys have been using out in the, out in the woods. So uh, we're good to have you back. We're going to skip all the history stuff since we've already got that from you. If you want to hear a little bit more about John's history, you can go uh, listen to our forest tech episode. But today we're talking about appraisals um, and before we get into the meat and potatoes of this, I guess we need to define, John, what exactly an appraisal is for those that may not know or may be a little confused about what this whole process is. So could you just define for us what exactly an appraisal is? Well, if we look at Webster's Dictionary, of a definition of appraisal, uh, it's a evaluation of property by the estimate of an authorized person. And that's a very simple way of putting it, what an, appra <laughs> yeah. what an appraiser or what an appraisal is. Um, there's there's the appraisals are regulated by the Arkansas Appraisal Licensing Board, mm -hmm. and that falls under the Uniform Standards of a Professional Appraisal Practice, commonly referred to as USPAP, um, and that is universal across all property types and across the whole country uh, for uh, for doing appraisal work. And so this isn't just for forest land appraisals. This is this no. Is this is the, this is the standard that applies to all property. Okay. Okay. Uh, this being appraised, and, and I'm looking. You have in front of you the 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 book for this process, and it's a pretty thick book. <laughs> like it's there's a lot. It looks like there's a lot in there. So this is a well defined, well set out process that appraisers have to follow. Yes, and, and in this book, there's also a lot of it that is opinions and guidance on different situations mm -hmm. uh, because every piece of property is different. Yeah, I mean that's the one thing about unique is every parcel of real estate is different. Okay. And, and now you mentioned, too, um, the licensing. So not just anybody can be an appraiser. Like, I guess, what are some of the what are the requirements for a person to go out and actually officially appraise a property or timberland? Well, generally for timberland, it requires a certified general appraiser. And uh, to become a certified general appraiser, you have to have an additional 304 hours of appraisal education. Mm. You've got to have a bachelor's degree from an accredited college or university and have 3,000 hours of experience along with passing a written exam and a, an interview exam. So it's a, there's a lot of requirements. Then I mean, 3,000 hours alone is, is a good amount of time yes. to get this. Okay. Which I guess is good because uh, one thing that I wanted to point out is that someone who's an officially licensed appraiser isn't just some dude who's going to come out there, look at your trees, and be like, oh, yeah, it's X amount of dollars. Correct, correct. Okay, and so um, you, you mentioned that this person for Timberland specifically needs to be a certified general appraiser. Are there multiple types of appraisers that someone could be? There's there's state licensed, and then there's uh, certified residential, and those okay. are both kind of tied to residential-type properties. Mm -hmm. There's also state registered and an apprentice appraiser. Uh, the apprentice appraiser what you're doing to become an mm -hmm. appraiser. Mm -hmm. Um, they can still do appraisal work, but anything that's related to a federally related transaction, such as a bank loan or those things, has to have a certified general sign off on those. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so I guess I, I, I asked that 
so people know if they're getting it for Timberland, which of course this is kind of what we're talking about specifically as we move forward. Um, but for someone who needs an appraiser to come out for their Timberland, there is a specific type of appraiser that they need to hire and get out to their property. Yes, and, and one of the things that within within USPAP is there's a competency rule. Mm-hmm. So you have to be confident uh, competent in the property type and in the and in the purpose and the scope of that work uh, for that appraisal assignment. Okay, all right. And now this might be a dumb question, John, but I probably should have asked this at the beginning since we skipped over your history. But just so people know, you are a licensed appraiser. Correct? I am a certified general appraiser, and okay. also I'm MAI designated by the Appraisal Institute, which is kind of in layman's term, taking an accountant and then adding a CPA on top of being an accountant. Gotcha. Okay. All right, cool. I just wanted folks to know that, you know, this isn't just you who went on the internet and looked up a bunch of stuff. You've actually been through the process and you are a licensed appraiser. So that that's good. So um, now, John, one thing too, I want to talk about before we get into kind of more of the landowner side of things is the process for an appraisal. Um, again, surely it's not just some guy comes out, looks at your stuff and says, all right, this is how much it could cost. What is this process for some an appraiser coming out to a piece of property to do what they need to do? Well, let's just kind of maybe go through the summary of the of the general parts of an appraisal. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, some of the first things we've got to identify is is the property that we're going to be appraising mm-hmm. and and the property rights of va- uh, valued, um, because we can always think of, of real estate as a bundle of rights. Mm-hmm. That's kind of an attorney's term. But you can separate those out, and each part of that may have a different value. Um, and then, you know, as part of that that work, we're identifying our scope of work, which goes back to USPAP of, mm-hmm. of what is the client needing, what's the purpose, and, and reporting format. Um, and then we determine the highest and best use of the property um, because and there's several definitions that go into high and best use of a test of – determining highest and best mm-hmm. use um we're looking at the overall market conditions um in the market area uh for those type of properties and then we kind of get into to the three approaches of valuation which is a sales comparison where we look at what other sales are, are selling cost approach is a lot of times used for an example like on a house what it would take to replace it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um less depreciation those kind of things um, and then an income approach is what's the value, what's the value of the property worth for, uh, from an income producing side. And then at the end, we kind of reconcile all that together to come up with our, our reconciled value at the end of the appraisal report. So there are a lot of different things that someone like yourself would look at and take into account, which I'm assuming is all laid out into this, this big book here, um, before actually giving your appraisal I guess value. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And, and a lot of times it may be a, a, a number or sometimes it may be a range of numbers. Mm-hmm. Say, you know, we believe the property, you know, is, is, has a range of values. The range of values could be, um, you know, varying in a market mm-hmm. when there's market conditions that are changing. Um, like in our current economic status right now, interest rates are going up. We're seeing how that is affecting the actual value of real estate with interest rates going up. And I guess that's something to to bring up too is that this these I guess calculations that you're doing are always ever changing with the 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 market versus the property because property can always be changing. It's not just staying the same uh, year after year. 
So there are a bunch of different things you guys have to take into account that are always kind of shifting a little bit. That is correct. Probably one of the, the parts of an appraisal that I didn't talk about was every appraisal has an effective date. Mm-hmm. And so that's mm-hmm. of that particular day, moment in time of the information we know as of that moment in time mm-hmm. um, is being used. So you can do an appraisal, but six months later, that appraisal may not be representative of the market value. Okay. Okay. So I guess this brings me to my next question is when would a landowner need an appraisal or, or even when would they not when when is a good time for a landowner to, to to reach out to someone like yourself to get this process started the you know a lot of it goes back to the purpose of the appraisal okay. you know you know if it's a if it's a bank loan um under normal banking regulations the bank has to order the appraisal okay um, but then from a landowner side, you know, there may be times when settling estates and setting up a new timber basis and uh, timber and land basis, um, in that after inheritance, um, if there's maybe going to be a conservation easement put on a property, um, valuing that conservation easement, it's going to be sold or donated, mm-hmm. um, on that, you know, there may be times when, when appraisals are needed for, for easements, you know, if there's going to be a utility easement come through. Um, or highway, you know, partial taking of the real estate uh, from a highway expansion project. Um, you know, then there, there may be other times for damage assessments. Um, and all of these have a different purpose and may have a different report and reporting mm-hmm. style and, and, and part of that. Um, you know, one of the other things that's, that's big with a lot of the, the team of the timber investment and management organizations is reporting value back to shareholders on an annual basis. And so a lot of times they're doing an appraisal every year mm-hmm. to report that back. Some of the, the family partnerships or LLCs may have some things set up. You know, one of the family members wants out, they do an appraisal to be able to buy that share of gotcha. that individual out of a partnership or LLC or trust or whatever that might be. Okay. So I guess we'll, we'll, the opportunity or the, the, the necessity for an appraisal always be brought to a landowner's attention. I guess for a bank loan instance, they'll say, okay, we need to appraise your property. Or, you know, if someone is trying to buy themselves out of the LLC or what have you, they'll say, okay, we, let's assess, we need to appraise what you got so we can figure out what they need to buy themselves out of. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Probably one of the, the most important things for an individual private landowner is going to be for, for settling estates and setting up their new basis. Okay. Um, as part of that um, appraisal process, typically you'll set up a, uh, a new value as the date of death of the, heir, of the previous owner. Mm-hmm. And so you get a stepped up basis under the IRS tax rules right now. Okay. And so with that, as you bring the full value of that property back to market value, and as you cut timber or sell property, you get to only take the marginal gain on that and pay capital gains tax on that marginal gain from whatever that appraised value is to the time you sell it. Okay. And that works for both timber and land. And so it's important at that time to set up both of those land and timber accounts Okay. where you can deplete from those. All right, cool. Well, John, um, this is all good stuff, and and we're going to get into kind of more of what landowners need to know and what they need to have prepared before they start this process here in a second. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors this month, Farm Credit. Farm Credit understands all things ag, including timber. Rural America has trusted Farm Credit for reliable, long-term financing for more than 100 years. 
Financing farms, timber, rural homes, agribusinesses, and more is all they do, which means they do it really well. Farm Credit is committed to the timber industry. They have experienced staff who understand the financing needs of timber producers and timber operations. Call Farm Credit today for long-term competitive rates that will support your timber operations success. Farm Credit of Western Arkansas, the timber lending specialist, equal housing lender. Thank you once again to our sponsors this month, Farm Credit, for their support of the show. So, John, we've talked about what an appraisal is, who can do an appraisal, um, and and when a landowner or when folks might need to have that appraiser come out and do their job and appraise their property. But I guess what we need to get into now is what are some of the things that landowners need to know before they even start this whole process? You know, one of the most important things to probably figuring out of, of you know, why they need an appraisal and that do they actually need an appraisal or do they need some other uh, form of consulting um, mm-hmm. on that. And that's where you can have that conversation about what you're trying to accomplish. Um, and then that can kind of lead that conversation depending on the, on the situation. But, you know, some of the, the documents that an appraiser is going to need – um, first off is the effective date. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to know when in time we're, we're doing this. Uh, there may be times we're doing something retroactive that may be back 10 or 20 years ago of setting up a basis, um, or maybe a current one. Um, you know, any maps or deeds on the property is always a necessity of the appraiser to know exactly what the property is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've also, you know, some of these properties have, have leases on them, whether it be an annual lease for a hunting club or whether it be a long-term oil and gas type lease, um, you know, whether there's easements on the property, um, and then there's even farm bill uh, easements uh, or contracts that are CRP or WRP, or there's a whole gamut of, of other ones mm-hmm. out there. But those can affect the value, because a lot of times those contracts travel with the land. So the new, so the new owner has value in those contracts of those annual payments. Okay. Um, you know, if there's been any timber inventory done in the past, uh, you know, since we're talking about timberland, um, you know, that's probably one of the, the, the biggest things is figuring out how much timber's out there mm-hmm. and, of, and of what species and products. Um, you know, if it is a buy-sell type transaction of any current contracts, uh, because under USPAP, we're supposed to analyze any contracts um, on the property. And then, um, you know, property rights. Um you know, is are, is it the sole owner or do you only own 25% of the property? Because mm-hmm. then you get into undivided interest and, and other parts that need to be considered in that if it's if it's not a fee simple ownership. Okay. So I guess you mentioned consultants, which I'm glad you did. If, if I, the landowner, was unsure if I needed an appraisal, do I call someone like you as an appraiser or do I go to a consultant to figure out if it's time to do something like that or guess who do i go to just to even ask questions you can do both uh, okay. a lot of you know there's a number of the consultants that are appraisers mm-hmm. um and then the, some of the consultants that are not will kind of know what they can and cannot do okay. uh, they get to a certain point they go we can't help you with that mm-hmm. um and be able to refer you to somebody else that can okay um so both of them will both the consultant and an appraiser both one of the things is, is you know, not all appraisers are, are set up to be able to do timberland. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, a lot of times we'll need to work with a forester 
and so a lot of times of having a forester that isn't appraiser cuts a few extra people out of the process that makes it a little more streamlined. Okay. And I guess that's something else that we should kind of clarify too is an appraiser isn't necessarily a consultant and a consultant isn't necessarily an appraiser. Those are two different entities, I guess, if, if you want to look at it. Correct. That way. Okay. Correct. And and I but I guess some folks can be both. You just have yes. to kind of make sure and, and they are certified in both and before you just start asking questions, I guess. Correct. Okay. Correct. Awesome. Um so John, because uh, you know we always talk about here on this show that if you don't know, reach out and call somebody. A consultant is usually who we uh, point people to, um, and I guess in this instance, that still rings true if, if you're kind of unsure. It does. It okay. does, especially if you're already working with a consultant. Mm-hmm. You know they'll be able to to know if they can help you or you know or send you to somebody else. Okay. All right. And now one thing too. Uh, you, you came by the office uh, last week, and we kind of sat down and talked about what we wanted to talk about here. Um, and, and one thing you mentioned was that appraisers, and correct me if I'm wrong here, appraisers or appraisals can be used in conservation practices. Is that correct? Well, a lot of times they're used for conservation easements. Easements, easements, and, okay. And that is where um, the property, some of the rights may be separated from the rest of it to protect that property. Okay. Some of them may be a subdivide, subdivision of the property, um, some of it may be being developed, um, or some of it may be, it's got to stay in a certain timber type or a whole number of things. You know, some of them maybe have recreational rights in them. Okay. Um, and of course, each one of those is part of that scope of work and the property rights to be appraised as part of that process. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'd written that down and I wanted to be sure that I got that right and asked you about that while you were here. Um, so, okay, cool. Well, John, is there anything else you, we kind of talked about my, my last question, uh, you know, what lenders needed to have prepared, but any relevant documents to the property need to be available for the appraiser to come out and accurately do what they need to do. Yes. Yes. Probably one of the things that I didn't mention there is if there's any surveys or those kind of things, you Mm -hmm. know, some of the properties get really complicated how they're laid out on the ground. Um, If there's any surveys. Okay. Would be very helpful too. All right. Well, John, is there anything else that you can think of uh, off the top of your head that we didn't talk about that we need to or anything that landowners need to know before getting themselves into this process? I don't think there is. Okay, cool. Well, that means that we did our job last week and we kind (laughs) of nailed everything. And this is just a – I'm sure there's a whole lot more to this that we could get into, but we wanted to provide – kind of a baseline knowledge for folks on what be what an appraisal is and, and the process and kind of what they need to know for this. So worst case scenario, if we miss something, you and I can get back together. I know you love doing these with me <laughs> and um, we can, we can knock out another episode kind of getting a little bit more into the weeds. So yep. awesome. Well, John, thank you so much, man, for being here. We appreciate you joining us again uh, and knocking this out. So I called you up or I emailed you actually. And literally five minutes later, just trying to find somebody to do this episode and you're like, yeah, I can do it. Well, I'm headed to your office right now and we can talk about it. So thank you for being so willing to knock this out. Glad to help. Awesome. Awesome. And we want to thank you guys for joining us again this month. Uh, We really appreciate you guys coming back month after month, hearing some of our voices of forestry, talking about some of these topics, just to educate folks on what it is that we're doing here in Arkansas at the very least in our forestry industry. I want to give one more special thank you to our sponsors this month, Farm Credit, for their support of the show. We really appreciate them coming back. Uh, This 
they've been sponsors multiple months and we we can't thank them enough and uh we also want to give a special shout out to some guy named rob slash rob mccormick for the use of our theme song the same love that's off of his album the folkster we're gonna have a link to his website in the description of this episode and you can find more of his music on spotify as well and if you have any questions about us here at the arkansas forestry association you can find us at arcforest.org that's a-r-k-f-o-r-e-s-t-s dot org well join us next month where we'll have a new topic a new discussion and a new voice of forestry